All right, well, good evening, and uh, we're going to continue tonight preaching through the Baptist faith and message. This is our statement of faith. This is what we as First Baptist Fairdale believe. It's what we as Southern Baptists believe. And uh, tonight we're going to look, we're still on Article 2. This is now the third week that we're looking at Article 2. And Article 2 is God. And the reason we've spent three weeks on Article 2 is because God encompasses God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we've talked over the last two weeks about God the Father and God the Son. And now tonight we're going to look at God the Holy Spirit. And so as both uh, Tyson and Drew mentioned in their sermons that God exists in triune form. That is why we have three sermons on God. One on God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And we understand this because... The Bible is very clear about this. You will not find the word Trinity in the Bible, but yet the Bible is clear that there are three persons that make up the Godhead. And uh, I've already said them multiple times, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, just as I think Josh maybe saw my notes as he was praying, but one of the things that we often notice about perhaps the Godhead is that the Holy Spirit gets overlooked and that Maybe part of it is because when we talk about God the Father, all of us have a category for a father. Whether we had one or not, everybody knows in general the role that a father plays in the world. And there would be no children without fathers. We understand that. But we also, when we think about the son, it's the same thing. If you are a male in here tonight, you are a son. You have a father. Whether you know him or not, there is a father. And so, for a father and a son, we understand those relationships, at least in a general way. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I think there's a whole lot less clarity on, well, spirit, you know, that, that, that's strange, it's a little bit foreign to us, we don't talk about those types of things on a regular basis. And so I think one of the reasons that perhaps the Holy Spirit does not get talked about as much as the father and the son is not so much because he's not as important, definitely not that, but it's more so there's less understanding on our part. And so because of that, we just naturally cling to what we do understand. And so I believe that's one of the reasons why uh, we talk less about the, the Holy Spirit than we do about the Father and the Son. And so tonight what I want us to do is I want us to answer two questions. First question is, who is the Holy Spirit? And then the second question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? So first... Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? And the very first sentence in the Baptist Faith and Message on the Holy Spirit says this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God fully divine. And then, he goes, and then the rest of the little paragraph on the, in the Baptist Faith and Message goes on to talk about what he does. But I want us to spend a few minutes here on who is the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, I want us to look at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to flip around a lot. You won't have to turn to all of these places, but this one is important. It's very foundational. The book of Genesis is beginnings. And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, here's what the Bible says. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so the first thing that I want us to see tonight is that the Holy Spirit is present with God at the moment of creation. You know, we think about God as 
the one who is in the beginning because it says in the beginning God created. And so I think we automatically associate that with God the Father. But what we need to understand is that's all three persons of the Godhead. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If we look at the first, uh, first couple verses of John's gospel, which Josh has been preaching through on Sunday morning, we see that uh, Jesus was in the beginning with God because through him all things were created and with, without him was not anything made that was made. So John, in his gospel, makes it clear that Jesus also was present at the moment of creation. And so we see that all three persons of the Godhead are there, are present with God in creation. And so the first thing that we see is that the Holy Spirit is present in the beginning with God because he is God. Uh, Psalm 139, and I'm not going to make you turn to all these places, but Psalm 139 Verses 7 and 8 says this. It says, Where shall I go from your presence? Or where shall I, f- sorry, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Here we see that the spirit is omnipresent, meaning he's in all places. The psalmist says, There is nowhere that I can go to escape from the presence of your spirit. And so we understand that Omnipresence is an attribute of God. God is omnipresent. He is in all places at all times. And the Bible here is attributing that same, um, that same attribute to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is in all places at all times. He is omnipresent. So we understand through, through this passage that the Spirit is God. He is possessing the same attributes that we understand uh, of God the Father and God the Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we see here, again, is uh, the Spirit is attributed to having the same attribute of omniscience, all-knowing. He knows all things. He searches uh, the, the depths of God. And as Paul says, who can know, uh, who can comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? And so we understand, Paul is making this argument, that the Holy Spirit possesses a complete knowledge. He is, he is omniscient. He knows all things because he is God. Uh, one more before we start moving on to what the Holy Spirit does. Look, at, look with me to Acts chapter 5. And here in Acts chapter 5, look at verses 3 and 4 with me. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So Luke, writing the book of Acts, instructs us that uh, Peter was uh, confronting Ananias about lying. He had sold a piece of property. They had given a portion of that money to the church, but said that they had given everything to the church. Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. He says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then just the next verse down, he says, you've not lied to man, but to God. And so Peter, one of the apostles, 
who walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry, tells us that the Holy, lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God because the Spirit and God are one. And so it's important that we understand this concept of the Trinity while it blows our mind as we try and comprehend it and think about it. God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has existed that way for all of eternity past. He will continue to exist that way for all of eternity future. And the Holy Spirit is one of those persons of the Trinity. And so when we think about God, we should think not only about the Father and not only about the Son, but also about the Holy Spirit. So, I hope that you see, and there are, there are plenty of verses that we did not look at. We don't have time to look at all of them. Uh, but I hope that you see from those verses that it's clear that the Holy Spirit is God himself. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is not a, a force of nature. It's not like the force in Star Wars. That's just this general power that's kind of mystical, and we can't really understand when it works, why it works. Okay? Uh, the Bible, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, never refers to him as it. Always refers to him as he or him. Okay, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a divine person of the Trinity. He's not a force. He's not a mystical power. He is a person of the Trinity. So, that being explained, let's look now at what the Holy Spirit does. So in the Baptist Faith and Message, that first, um, the first sentence of it explains who the Holy Spirit is, and then the rest of it describes what he does. So let me read it for you. Uh, we will not dive into every single thing it mentions here, but we'll look at some of the big ones. He inspired holy men of old to write the scriptures. Through illumination, he enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer until the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship evangelism, and service. So that's a lot. That's an overview of what we believe the Holy Spirit does. So I want to look at some of these more specifically. A really helpful passage that I would recommend to you is John chapters 14, 15, and 16. Jesus explains a lot in these chapters about the Holy Spirit and his work and what he does. We're not going to look at all of those references. We will look at some but I would recommend that to you as a study if you are interested in, in reading more about the Holy Spirit. Um, those would be three fantastic chapters for you to read, meditate on, and, and really think about. But the, I want to show you seven things that the Holy Spirit does that we'll focus on tonight. The first is that he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I get this from John chapter 16. So you can turn there with me if you will. And look with me at verse 8. Jesus says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So one of the things that Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to do is that he is going to convict the world of sin, 
and righteousness and judgment. If you're a Christian tonight, you are a Christian because the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin. Because the Holy Spirit convicted you of righteousness. That righteousness is required to be a follower of Jesus. You must walk in uh, the ways that Jesus has walked and the ways that he's commanded us. But also judgment. The, the Holy Spirit is pointing, to, is pointing us to the final judgment that we understand that all things will be judged by God himself. And if you're a Christian tonight, it's because the Holy Spirit has revealed these things to you. You see, the Bible describes us as dead in our trespasses and sins until God makes us alive together with him. And, though, and so dead people don't have the opportunity to be awakened to our sin, to be awakened of our need for a Savior. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to do. He is going to convict the world of sin. And so for us, gathered here tonight, if we are believers, that means the Holy Spirit has done that work in us. He's convicted us of our sins. It's not something that we've done of our own, but God has sent his Spirit to convict you of your sin. And what we'll see next, the next thing we'll look at, is that he, he testifies to Christ. He, he points people to Christ, that, that is the Savior. Um. But I would also say that if you are praying for somebody or witnessing to somebody that you hope to be a believer, the only way that's going to happen is if the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin. It's, it's difficult sometimes to swallow that pill because we want to be, uh, to be able to do something to help these people that we love and know and care for to become believers but we are powerless in doing that. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one who will convict them of sin and draw them to himself and show them the Savior, which is Jesus. Um, there is no salvation apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit does not convict someone of sin, they cannot be saved. Now, we could say that more generally about all the persons of the Trinity. If it weren't for the Father, there could be no salvation. If it weren't for the Son, there could be no salvation. And if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, there could be no salvation. And here's what's beautiful about God existing in triune form is that all three persons of the Trinity are working together in, in salvation. That if one of them is taking out of the equation, that there is no salvation. And it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is just as vital as the Father and the Son. Because like I said at the beginning, we have a general idea of what a father is, what a father does, and the same with a son. And so we tend to focus more on those, but it's also important that we understand and, and realize what the Holy Spirit is doing as well. Because his work is just as essential as the work of the Father and the work of the Son in salvation. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. So that's one, that he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Number two, he bears witness about Jesus. And so this goes hand in hand with uh, him convicting the world of sin. So look back with me just a chapter to uh, John 15, verse 26. May not even need to flip a page. It says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So Jesus says in chapter 16 that he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. But before that, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, and he calls him here the helper, 
whom I will send from the Father. He proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. See, and so this is where uh, those two things work together, where the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, but he points people to Jesus, right? And this is where we start to see the, the multiple peoples of the Trinity coming together and working in salvation. Because Jesus is the one who died for your sin, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's testifying about Jesus. So he's convicting us of our sin, but he's causing us to look to Jesus who died for our sin. And we also see the Father's role here in that he is proceeding from the Father. The Father is the one who sends the Holy Spirit to do this work in our hearts. So the, so the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin and pointing you to the Savior. And when you look to Jesus, the Savior who died for your sins, that is where we find forgiveness of our sins. And so all of it is working together. And so we can't really explain the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit apart from talking about the Trinity. Because they are all working flawlessly together as one. So the Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. And, and this is also another way that we can examine whether something is a work of the Holy Spirit or not. There's a lot of things that happen in our lives. There's a lot of things that happen in our world. And we may generally think, oh, that must be the work of the Spirit. Couldn't be anything else. Well, one of the ways that we can judge that is, is that work showing people Jesus? Is it bearing witness to Jesus? Or is it trying to draw attention somewhere else? Because the work of the Spirit is going to draw attention to the work of Jesus. He's going to bear witness about Jesus and what Jesus has done and what Jesus has accomplished. So it's important that we understand that verse and that we understand that if this truly is a work of the Spirit that we're witnessing, it will be exalting Jesus. It will be pointing us to Jesus. So that's two, is that he bears witness about Jesus. But three, the Spirit gives life. All right, we're going to look back at John chapter 6 for this. John chapter 6, verse 63. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. But now look back. A few more chapters to John chapter 3. Uh, sorry, John chapter 4. Nope, that's a typo. It's John chapter 3. This is, uh, Josh talked about this this morning, about the story of Nicodemus and, and what happens right before we get to verse 16, which is such a popular verse that we all know and perhaps have memorized. But in, in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, it says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives this new life. It's not anything else. It's, you cannot enter back into your mother's womb and be born a second time. He is talking about rebirth, which comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says it's mysterious, kind of like the wind blowing. We can see the effects of the wind. We can 
hear the wind, but we don't know where it came from and where it's going. He said the same, it's the same with the Spirit. But this is a work that the Holy Spirit has always done. You don't need to turn there, but listen to Psalm 104. This is verse 30. The psalmist says, When you send forth your Spirit, they are, they are created. Sorry, I had a typo there as well. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And so the, the spirit or the psalmist is talking about creation, referring to creation, and he says, When you send your spirit, they are created. Meaning the spirit is the agent of life, the agent of giving life. And so the spirit is involved in creation. We saw that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The spirit is there, God is breathing life. Okay, one of the words for uh, spirit can also be interpreted as breath. Okay, so when Jesus breathes life into the man that he created, we can understand that there's the, the working of the spirit there as well, bringing life. And so when we talk about uh, new life, Jesus says it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And then when talking with Nicodemus, he's explaining that this is a work of the spirit that you are reborn, not a work of you trying to get back into your mother's womb. And so we see that the Spirit is the one who brings forth life. And so if we are going to have new life in Christ, it's a work of the Spirit in us. The Spirit producing this life. We cannot produce it ourselves. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Spirit sanctifies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says this. It says, And such were some of you, but you are washed... You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We see it's the Spirit who's doing this work of sanctifying people. And if we were to go there and read the verses right before uh, Paul says this, he says some pretty bad things about the people at the church in Corinth. But he says, you were washed. You were sanctified. And then he says at the end of that, that verse that it was a work of the Spirit. That the Spirit is the one who has entered into your heart, and no matter how dirty or unclean or filthy it was, He is the one who did that work of cleaning it, of cleansing it, of taking the old person that was full of sin, hated God, gave life, and now has cleaned it up. And I think we're all familiar with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. In 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, this is the evidence that the Spirit is at work in us. If the Spirit is working in your life, these things will be evident. People will see that these things are flowing out of your behavior, out of the way that you talk, because the Spirit is at work in you. And so the Spirit, while He gives life, He also sanctifies. He takes us from that point of salvation where we are still wretched and filthy, and He begins to, to turn us into more and more the image of Jesus. So He gives us life, He sanctifies, that's number four. But number five, He dwells in us, He seals us for the day of redemption, and He assures us along the way. John chapter 14, verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
that Jesus is talking to his disciples again about him leaving and the Holy Spirit coming. He is going to send the Spirit. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away so that the Helper will come. And he says here that he will dwell with you and will be in you. After this, in John 14, verses 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Again, this is a very Trinitarian verse, kind of like at the beginning of Genesis before God creates man, he says, let us create man in our image. We understand that God is talking to the other persons of the Trinity, or perhaps the Father talking to the other persons of the Trinity. But here he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we, that's plural, we will come to him and make our home with him. So God is, Jesus is teaching his disciples that the Holy Spirit will indwell believers at the moment of salvation. And then we get to our call to worship tonight. What a fantastic passage in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so the Holy Spirit, at the moment of salvation, dwells within us. He will never leave us. We know that from the Great Commission. He has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Here, uh, Paul is telling us that uh, when we believed, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us, and the Holy Spirit's presence in the believer's life is the guarantee that we will acquire possession of what God has promised. So he dwells in us, he seals us for the day of redemption, but also he assures us along the way. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So as we walk through life, as we face discouragement, hardship, difficulty, the Spirit himself is reminding us that we are children of God. He is assuring us that he is dwelling in us, that we have been sealed for the day of redemption, and that he will not leave or forsake us. Number six, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what we see in this passage and in the greater passage, if you were to go and, and study the whole thing, is that there are multiple different gifts that the Spirit gives to the people in the church. And all of them are for the sake of the common good of the church. So the Spirit doesn't gift us so that we can make much of ourselves. The Spirit gifts us so that we can build up the body, that is the church. And so whatever the Holy Spirit has gifted you with, it is unique to be a blessing to this church, to build up the church, to help the church 
to accomplish the mission of being the church in taking the gospel to, uh, the, to the nations. But he gifts each person differently, right? There's not just this one blanket gift that the Holy Spirit throws out to everybody as soon as they become a believer. He gives gifts to each, to each one individually as he wills. So I don't know the fullness of, of how to understand that. Perhaps he has uh, a certain need in a church, and, and when someone is saved, he gifts them uniquely to fill that need. I don't know if that's what that's talking about. I didn't study that in depth. But he, he gifts us uniquely. So all of us have a unique gift given by the Holy Spirit for the sake of building up the church. So he gives gifts. But seven, he unifies us. The Holy Spirit unifies us. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 40, through 47. He says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So these early believers were brought together. The Holy Spirit was dwelling in them. And they were unified. They weren't concerned about their own selves, about their own possessions. They were selling and providing for others as they had need. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that was doing that work, that was prompting people to care more about others than to care about themselves. But also in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, um, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Another Trinitarian verse which mentions the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Notice he attributes fellowship to the Holy Spirit. See, because the Holy Spirit in you is going to have a desire to have a relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit in everyone else. See, the Holy Spirit is what draws us together and unifies us. Because remember, Jesus said in John, uh, John 15 that the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness to me. So if the Holy Spirit in you is bearing witness to Jesus and making you all about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in me is bearing witness to Jesus and making me all about Jesus, then we're both going to be all about Jesus, and that's going to draw us together. Because the mission of the church is to be all about Jesus, is to tell other people about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is going to be inside of us cultivating that. And what a timely reminder. On a day like today, which this morning was so heavy, what Josh preached on, what I prayed on during the pastoral, the pastoral prayer, what all of us have seen on social media and all of the things that are happening in our world, I think all of us would say, man, we need to be united. Well, the Spirit is one who does that work. Now, obviously, those who are not believing in Jesus are not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. and There's nothing at work in them to unite them to anyone else. So it's a reminder of the fact that we need the Lord and his work in our lives to have peace, to have unity. But even though it's, it's chaos in the world, it should not be in the church. If we truly are being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit should be uniting all of us together with one main goal and one main purpose, and that is to testify about Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit unites us. 
And we need to be united if we're going to be effective in doing gospel ministry here in Fairdale, Kentucky, and, and wherever else that we end up going. So as we conclude, the Holy Spirit does a lot. There is far more that we could go into. There's far more that the Baptist faith and message, that paragraph says that I even covered. Uh, but I thought that these were really big and really helpful things for us to understand. And so I want us to understand that as Christians, we are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We are completely dependent on all persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's important that we understand the work of the Spirit in our life because we don't want to neglect the work of the Spirit just for the sake of elevating the work of the, the Father and the Son. Because we, as we've seen, the three work together in, in the work of salvation. Jesus told his followers in John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. On our own, we can accomplish nothing. But God has decided to dwell in his people by the Spirit so that in him we can accomplish something. And the Holy Spirit is doing that work in us. We need the Spirit in our life. We need to be reminded that it is the Spirit who is doing the work in us, especially as we do uh, anything as a church. If we fail to recognize the Spirit, if we fail to rely on the Spirit, all the things that we do are going to fall flat. They're not going to accomplish anything. Paul, uh, telling the Galatians, or speaking to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, says, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you work miracles among you? Work miracles among you, do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith. And Paul's basically asking the question, you started by the Spirit. Do you think you're going to finish by the strength of the flesh? It's a, it's a uh, question that he's posing to them that, that they already know the answer to. Rhetorical question. But Paul is reminding the Galatians of our need for the Holy Spirit. Their need for the Holy Spirit. Our need for the Holy Spirit. We can't just start strong relying on the Holy Spirit. We've got to finish strong relying on the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us in the context of church to try and do things based on our own strength. Get somebody who's real charismatic, who's real uh, easily connect, they easily connect with people. Let's get them in front of everybody. Let's have a really awesome band. It's easy for us to try and build things by our own strength. But what we need to be reminded of is that it's the work of the Spirit that's going to produce fruit. It's the work of the Spirit that's going to change hearts and lives. And as believers, all of us are dependent on the Spirit, and we need Him. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much that your word tells us so much about the Holy Spirit. And there is so much that we did not even cover tonight. There is so much more that we could talk about, think about, meditate on. But God, I pray that this overview would be helpful. God, we believe firmly that you exist in triune form as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, we understand that all three persons of the Trinity play a crucial role in the work of salvation. God, help us never to neglect the work of the Holy Spirit. 
God, help us to become much more well-versed in understanding the Spirit and what He does and who He is. And God, may you build up our church and strengthen our church because we have a stronger understanding of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee that we will receive the inheritance that you have promised. But he's also much more than that. He is our helper, and we need him. God, help us as a church here in First Baptist Fairdale to be fully relying on the Spirit in all of the things that we undertake. May we be trusting him, following his leading, and allowing him to speak through us to bear witness about Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.